our final speaker is a professor, oh sorry, no, I'm not allowed to say that, just Karen, Karen Vespoor. Um, she's a third culture kid, or maybe a fifth culture kid, depending on how you count. Born in Senegal, that's in West Africa, to Dutch parents, raised in America, married to a Spaniard, and now living in Australia, she speaks four and a half human languages, and at least as many computer languages. She's developed mission control software for a NASA subcontractor, She's managed a team of Brazilian, Russian, and Kiwi software developers before there was Skype. She worked in an office inside the security perimeter of a nuclear weapons facility, and eventually she found her way back to a pretty normal academic job involving, unsurprisingly, computers and languages in Melbourne. She's working on acquiring the nuances of her fifth and a half human language, Australian, and a sixth, the language of biology. Welcome, Karen. Hi, I'm really happy to be here. Okay, sorry, I have to read. All right, this is a story, unsurprisingly, about language. In fact, it's a story about fruit flies, the language of biology, and all-nighters in science, because that never happens, right? I'm particularly fond of this story because it shows, I think, the very human side of science, and since my research deals specifically with biological nomenclature, because it highlights just how weird gene names, gene names can be. But I'll get back to that. We've already heard about golf. Where is it? <laughs> Where's else? The person I'd like to tell you about is a biologist named Susanna Lewis, or Susie, as she's known to most. She grew up in Michigan, studied molecular biology at the University of Michigan, and then moved to Silicon Valley in the 1980s to pursue a career in, as you would as a biologist, the hot new computer industry. After stints at Federal Express and Hewlett-Packard, she finally returned to her biological roots and joined the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory to work on a genome project. And there, she became the queen of the fruit fly. Susie earned this royal title largely because of her work on developing Flybase. Flybase is the main database of information about the fruit fly genes. And biologists all around the world working on the genome of fruit fly genes contribute information to this central repository. It focuses primarily on the model organism Drosophila melangaster. Anybody here work on fruit flies? No, yes, yeah, some, all right, good. <clears throat> so you know about Drosophila. So Drosophila melangaster is a model organism um, um, that is a species that's very widely studied, usually because it's really easy to maintain or breed in the laboratory and because it has particular experimental advantages. Mainly we use model organisms because we can't actually pick people apart. So we pick flies and rats and you know our favorite animal, the rat, David Attenborough's favorite animal anyway, and mice. We use them in order to understand biology and to help scientists um, understand biological processes. So Flybase was initiated in 1992, and Susie did most of the technical work to make it reality. In 1995, she and a colleague packaged the whole thing up on a CD. Yes, it was that small. The entire knowledge of biology could fit on one CD. And this was called the Encyclopedia of Drosophila. <clears throat> Sorry, not the entire knowledge of biology, the entire knowledge of fruit fly biology. I stand corrected. 
Um, they brought many copies in boxes to a fruit fly biology conference and handed them out. The CD represented nearly everything there was to know about fruit fly biology at that time captured in a systematic format that was searchable and computer readable. It moved the fruit fly community away from lists of mutations and um, um, <clears throat> bibliographies that were published on paper in, in journals and into the digital age. So this was a huge transformation for, for that community. And eventually other model organism communities followed suit and went completely digital. And today you can find all this stuff online, right? Um, later, Susie was influential in a move to standardize biological descriptions across these different communities by defining structured vocabularies of biological characteristics, which we call ontologies. This standardization of data resources has proven to be a very, very critical enabling technology for bioinformatics research. Basically, it allows us to gather information about different organisms and compare them because we're using the same language to, to describe what they're doing. Now back to Susie. So Susie is the ultimate multitasker scientist. She's both a biologist and a computer scientist. She's a lab director and the person writing the code for the next release of Flybase. She's an ontologist contributing to those vocabularies. She's an open software advocate. And if my sources are correct, she's a mother of five and a baker of extraordinary pies. Basically, she's someone who appears never to sleep, or at least not to need much sleep. Indeed, it is said that her standard Starbucks order is a latte with three extra shots, and that she drinks it in less than five minutes. Sounds a bit rough. As a scientist who doesn't sleep, Susie has often found herself working into the wee hours of the night, and one of these nights was a really important night. This was a night in October 2002. On this night, Susie sent an email to a colleague to report on a very important decision. She had chosen a name for a gene. Now, names in science are a really big deal. The name of a gene will be how scientists search for the information about it, how they write about it, how they talk about it forevermore. And so the opportunity to name a gene is a very, very big responsibility. In the fruit fly community, it turns out that they approach this naming task with a good sense of humor. Often, they name the gene for the effect it's associated with. For example, the gene called Eyeless, as you can probably guess, is very important for developing eyes. If a fruit fly has a mutation or an error, in the eyeless gene, they're not gonna get eyes. That's unfortunate. <clears throat> the gene white causes a fly's eyes to grow white instead of the normal dark red color. Others are a little less obvious. There's a gene called Lush, which some of you probably have, which when mutated results in a fly with a very, very strong preference for alcohol. <laughs> Ken and Barbie, Wait with me here a moment. Ken and Barbie are genes that when mutated lead to flies missing, what do you think? Their external genitalia. <laughs> I am not joking. This is true, you can look it up in Flybase right now on your phone. Flies with mutations in the Halloween genes, known as disembodied spook, spookier shadow, shade, shroud, and phantom, 
have unusual exoskeleton development so that the embryos appear spooky. Tin Man is a gene that controls the development of a heart. That's right, flies with a mutation in Tin Man have no heart. I know, it's, it's terribly sad. As an aside, these names, especially when they are common words like white and small eyes, wreak havoc on the automated text analysis tools that I work on. Computers just have a really, really hard time with these names. <clears throat> they can't tell them apart from perfectly normal uses of these same words, so they're really, really problematic. Anyway, back to Susie. October 2002, she has a gene she needs to name. So imagine you're faced with this decision. You have to name your gene. Your entire community has shown um, some sort of creativity in naming. So there's a pressure to pick a good name, a really, really good name. What name would you choose? So here's the email that Susie wrote. The name for my gene is Pray for Elves. It is the middle of the night, 2.38 to be precise. I'm away from friends and family. It has been this way for over two years. I can't sleep because of all the work there is yet to do, and there is no end in sight. So when do the magic little elves appear out of nowhere and get everything done? S. Obviously, she's too busy to write her whole name, so S. P.S. I am serious. And just like that, the gene was named Pray for Elves. This is in the public record, okay? You can look this up too. It's actually in Flybase as a record. You might think that the Flybase community would dismiss this proposal and demand a far more reliable name, such as CG15151, which is in fact the label for this gene in the sequence database GenBank, or maybe FBGN0243486, which is its Flybase ID, and as a computer person, that's a much better name or possibly reduced ocelli, which reflects its function as a transmembrane leucine-rich repeat protein involved in ocelli development. Of course, you need to know what ocelli are. They're three small photoreceptors located at the top of a fly's head, and a mutation in prey for elves means that the fly's ocelli just don't work. So reduced ocelli would be a perfectly good descriptive name for this gene, a bit like eyeless, but that's not what she picked. She picked prey for elves. And we've already established that there is more than utility that's involved in naming fruit fly genes. So Susie proposed this name, and the gene is still known today as Prey for Elves, 15 years later now. So let's consider why this name, despite its obvious lack of biological meaning or any direct computational utility, might have stuck. My guess is that it has little to do with the fact that the functional information about this gene that she named wasn't described until a few years later in 2006. And so she couldn't actually have used any knowledge of what the gene actually did in order to name it. I don't think actually that's the problem. No, I think that scientists far and wide recognize Susie's plight, that it struck a chord in the heart of every scientist who had ever stayed in their lab overnight to complete experiments, or whose personal lives have been dominated by the developmental schedule of an inferior organism. As evidence for my argument, I offer this. After Daniel Everill's group worked out what prey for elves actually does and what's happening in the genetic neighborhood of that gene, they named the gene that directly interacts with prey for elves 
elfless. Yes, another gene that is not named for its function, but rather an expression of desperation. Elfless in the lab. Or does it express a wistful hope? I don't know. Surely this choice of elfless as the counterpart to pray for elves represents a sort of scientific solidarity, a nod to the frustration and exhaustion that drove Susie to pray for those magic elves to help her finish her work. Another symbol of the desperation of overworked scientists, presumably a feeling that all scientists know far too well. So I ask you, have you seen Legolas or Dobby in the wee hours of your lab? <laughs>